0: Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo, and this week, we're healing through seasonal depression. I felt like this was an important topic for us to discuss, with time falling back and it being the colder and darker months of the year. Seasonal depression is also known as sad. Which stands for seasonal affective disorder. It's a mood disorder characterized by depression and it occurs the same time every year. And there are more than 3 million cases in the US yearly. So that's going to be our main topic for this week. And we're going to tap into that a little later on in the show. But right now, let's get into the culture of pop. My weekend was pretty much the culture of pop, because I didn't do much. It was raining down here in Atlanta, so I kind of chilled out, relaxed for once, and enjoyed a show called Killing Eve. Now, I knew that I was probably going to love it, one, because it starred Sandra Oh, and for any of you who listen to the podcast, you know that during an episode that BHW and I had about our favorite shows, Grey's Anatomy was, I believe, number two, number two or number three. And Sandra Oh was uh, Christina Yang on Grey's Anatomy. And she was absolutely my favorite character Um, until she decided to leave, I believe, in 2014, I believe, is when she left. And uh, she is definitely missed by me. But uh, in Killing Eve, she plays a very different character named Eve Palastri. She uh, started out as an MI5 spy, and she ended up being MI6 by the end of the first season. Uh, There were eight episodes limited series and she is hunting down a character by the name of villanelle who is a psychopathic assassin this all takes place in europe starting in london and then going all the way around like all different countries in europe but i loved it i loved it i knew that i would love it and i was right and at first i started off a little skeptical because when characters when well excuse me, when actors play a certain character for a long time, I long to see what it'll look like if they're playing someone else. So when Sandra decided to try on Eve, I was a little worried if I was going to see Christina the entire time. And I would say for the first episode, I felt like I really did. But by the time I got to the 8th episode, I didn't see her anymore. I was really able to see Eve and I didn't see Christina. And I appreciated that a lot, you know. Uh, So that was one of the things that I loved the most about the show. I also loved, and this is me doing my best to not give any spoilers away. Because I feel like you really need to enjoy it. But uh, it's stated in commercials and everything that Villanelle is an assassin. So needless to say, she kills. And... They, they go there, <laughs> they have absolutely no problem going there when it comes to Villanelle and her killing ways, and it was a lot, it was a lot at some points, but I enjoyed it, uh, there was a, a very, very interesting cat and mouse game that goes on with the two of them, and it's worth watching, again, it's only eight episodes, so you can get through it pretty quickly, that's how I spent my weekend, uh, watching that and knocking that out, and I can't wait for season two now, And, uh, I can't remember exactly when it started this year, but I hope that we're not too far away from season two starting and, uh, very, it's on BBC America and very much in the vein of orphan black. It's one of those shows that you get addicted pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, I think that you guys should check it out. So I want to move on from there to the golden globe nominations that were announced this week, uh, this past week, excuse me and i'm going to go down either the the people who i want to win or name off to you some of the people who are in the categories (laughs) but it's pretty much all people of color for the most part with a few a few people who aren't people of color mixed in i just either love their acting or love their shows so just in case you're interested in watching it or if these are any of the people who you feel should win as well because I have several people I know who don't watch, including BHW, who aren't really into award shows, but there are several people where if they watched it, these are the people they would want to win. So, uh, for Best Movie Drama, Black Panther, Black Klansman, and If Bill Street Could Talk are all nominated. I would honestly be happy if any of them win, to be honest with you. Uh, I haven't seen Black Klansman or If Bill Street Could Talk, but, you know, voting for Everybody Black. Um, <laughs> I would go with Black Panther, but if either of the two uh, other movies won, I wouldn't be mad. Um, best actor, uh, in a drama, Rami Malek and John David Washington. Uh, John David Washington is in Black Klansman and he's David, uh, David Denzel Washington's son. Um, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody and that is where, uh, Rami Malek, he's, he's starring in that. And I would go with Rami, just because I think he's an amazing actor. And uh, John David, I think he, you know, prayerfully has a long career ahead of him. So I think that's probably the reason why he's not going to win in any of the uh, award shows that he's nominated for, only because people are looking at him like, you more than likely have a long road as a as a, a great actor ahead of you. So, you know, we can kind of give this award to someone else. For uh, Best Picture Comedy... Crazy Rich Asians, Green Book, and Vice are all nominated. Now, me, being somebody who's really into politics, I want to see Vice. I didn't even realize that was Christian Bale who's going to be playing, um, oh, why is the name going away from me now? I was about to say Donald Rumsfeld, and that is not who he's playing. Dick Cheney. Jesus. Um, Christian Bale is playing Dick Cheney, and I I give you my word, it wasn't until, I saw, like, a behind-the-scenes or something, and they said that it was Christian Bale, that I realized it was him. I must have ignored all of these commercials, because they they clearly say that that's Christian Bale who's playing Dick Cheney. He gained weight for this role, and when I tell you, he vanished. And if you, uh, if you paid attention to the episodes with Damone Williams um this might offend you or this might offend you too it's a shame i forgot the name of the (laughs) i named the episodes and i forgot them but um but yeah on those episodes we were talking about when actors can vanish into their characters and christian bale is another one of those people he is very very method and yeah i didn't realize he was dick cheney i i want to see this movie and so i need to figure out where it's playing down here in atlanta but yeah, um, I'm, I say all of that to say that if it was to win, I wouldn't be mad um, because it seems like people are acting their asses off in that film. For Best Supporting Male, Mahershala Ali in Green Book. I, I'm one of those people that I question, why is it that Viggo Mortensen got top billing in this? Maybe I need to see Green Book to understand. Maybe it's more so from his point of view. But I felt like this was something where both of them should have been nominated for Best Actor. I don't know if they made a decision when putting the film together uh, for award season that they wanted Vigo and Mahershala to both have their best chances of winning and maybe it would be in separate categories, but mm, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, For best supporting female in a drama, uh, I'm sorry, no, when it comes to best supporting, it's not separated by drama or comedy. It's just everyone lumped together. Um, Best supporting female, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. Regina, I just feel like this is her time all the way around. Every time she wins an award, I go up. So yeah, I'm here for her all day for winning that. Um, best animated, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I'll be talking about later. Incredibles 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet. I have not seen any of these movies. I plan to see uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet sometime this week. Before seeing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I have not seen Incredibles 2, and at this point, I'm just going to wait for it to come on streaming. Um, I know I'm going to love it, but I just think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to be a game changer, but I'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, So I personally think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse should win, even though I haven't seen it yet. I just think that it will be the better of the three. Uh, Best TV drama, Pose and Killing Eve. This is hard for me because I've seen both. I've loved both. I would be good with either winning, but I can honestly say I lean more toward Pose. I really do. I really, really do. It was just, it was, it was great TV. And for our community, it was just such, I don't know. It it was a great, a great depiction of us. It really was. It really was very well-rounded characters and i i mean i of course i can't wait for season two but i just loved all of the history that went into that show such beautiful history and for a lot of a lot of those people who had never really been in anything major before as far as television they all did so well it was such a really good show and yeah yeah killing eve is phenomenal it is but uh i would probably be a little emotional If Pose was to win, I can, I can admit that. Best actress in a drama, Sandra Oh, Killing Eve and Julia Roberts, Homecoming. I put Julia on here just because one, she's a phenomenal actress and two, she's a Scorpio. That's the only reason (laughs) I haven't seen Homecoming yet. I plan to watch that in the next week. Uh, That is streaming on Amazon Prime. But yeah, Sandra, Killing Eve, again, show is phenomenal. Uh, Best actor in a drama, Billy Porter for Pose goes without saying. He listen. I didn't even bother to put anybody else in this category because he needs to win. <laughs> he, he slayed in that role. So yeah, he he definitely needs to win for Pose. Uh best TV comedy. The Good Place hands down, it needs to win. If you've never watched The Good Place, it was on my list when we did our favorite TV shows. And the good place should win. I mean it's a critics, darling. I don't know how many people watch it. I don't check on ratings and things like that. But the critics aren't wrong. It's a great, smart, hilarious show. And then Atlanta wasn't nominated. And I don't I don't understand. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't understand. In the year of Teddy Perkins, how is it that Atlanta wasn't nominated? That's just that's silly to me. But Donald Glover was nominated for Best Actor, so they can make it up by making sure that he wins. I'm sorry. Again, Teddy Perkins. It was a great season across the board, but just for that role alone, he should win this award. Then we go to Best Actress, uh, Allison Brie for Glow and Kristen Bell for The Good Place. The Good Place is my show. I love every single character. I don't think that Kristen Bell gets enough uh, credit for what she does on that show and just who she is in general. I think De Kristen Bella is the best. Maybe this is a part of me kind of leaning on who she is personally as well, because she's just a beautiful human being, a wonderful spirit. But again, The Good Place is awesome. Uh, Alison Brie, I think her nomination for Glow might be the only nomination they got. And Glow is a good show. Even in season two, it was still really good. So I, I love that she was nominated. Best Actress in a Limited Series, again, Regina King is here. And I believe that the show on Netflix was called Seven Seconds. I have not watched it. I can admit that. I've been told that it was really good. But again, Regina King, she's nominated twice. She better win for at least one. Best Supporting in a Limited Series, Tandy Newton, Westworld. Listen, if you're listening to this, Misfits, and you have not watched Westworld, shame on you. Shame when you for not watching season one or two. And I personally believe season two was better than season one, which is very rare that you find that. But season two was phenomenal. Get on it. Like right now. <laughs> Go to HBO Go and binge the hell out of Westworld. It's, Westworld is so good that it's honestly a show that I would watch again. Season one and two. And I think I may have had it on my list of favorite shows. If I didn't, then that's a shame because Westworld is amazing. And like Grey's Anatomy, which I can start from season one and watch all the way back up again, I could watch season one and two of Westworld without blinking. It's just a a, a great show all around. Great directing, great writing. The cinematography is amazing. Like the acting is superb. Yeah, Westworld is it. And it's, it's crazy because I started out with Westworld. Couldn't get through the first two episodes. I don't think I watched it again for maybe a, a, six months to a year. And then I started again. And when I got through it, I was like, how did I not love this show from the beginning? It is a pretty slow start, in my opinion. But once you get in it, it's a go. Um, and then Jeffrey Wright was nominated as Best Male Actor. And that was, um, he would have been nominated for Westworld. That's crazy to me. Like once you see Westworld, you'll understand why there shouldn't be a time where Jeff- Jeffrey Wright. First of all, Jeffrey Wright should be no- nominated for everything, just all of the awards, anything he's in. I don't remember seeing Jeffrey Wright in anything where he shouldn't have been nominated. <laughs> he is a tour de force actor. Like to me, he's like the male male Meryl, Meryl Streep. Uh, he can very much, very much like Christian Bale. Like Jeffrey Wright just vanishes into roles. He does and yeah yeah if any of you have ever seen the shaft with um Samuel Jackson Jeffrey Wright played the villain in that and i'm sorry like there's no way you could see him in that and then see him in Westworld and think it was the same character not at all just an amazing actor so yeah those are the nominations for the golden globes at least the ones i care about <laughs> the categories i care about and it's going to be uh it's going to be on, on January the 6th of 2019, so next year, and it's hosted by Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg Andy Samberg from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Sandra is going to make history as the first Asian woman to ever host the show, which is sad that in, uh, going into 2019, that's still a thing, that she's still a first in 2019. But well, you know when it comes to us, we say that all the time when it comes to people of color, we're always like, why is it that it's still a first? At some point in time, we won't have to say that anymore. I I pray that it's sooner rather than later, but yeah. So earlier I spoke about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which comes out this weekend. It tells the story of Miles Morales. He is a black and Latino, and I am so excited And for those of you who listen to the show often, you misfits who always tune in, you know that I am rarely excited about anything. I am not someone who gets excited. But first of all, I love Miles Morales as Spider-Man, but for there to be a movie where he's the main character is just really exciting. Add on to that the fact that this is not only received... um, great reviews so far from critics, but for, you know, those who are fans who have been able to see some, you know, behind the scenes work, they're in love with it as well, so I can say for me, what I've seen as far as the commercials, I'm all in, it seems like it's going to be an an awesome experience, so this is one of those films where I'm getting up early in the morning on a Saturday and going to see this, even if I'm the only person in the theater at the time, Uh, yeah it's been a long time since i saw a movie in theaters twice this feels like a movie i would see twice which in the the year of black panther says a lot because i only saw black panther in theaters once i know people who saw that movie five times in theaters uh spider-man into the spider-verse feels like something i'm going to want to see more than once definitely and then the last two things that i'll close out with the uh the culture of pop all have to do with our new show called a brief healing A brief healing is a a shorter version of the healing space where we give you just like kind of a morsel of something that we want to talk about that one specific topic that we delve into for about 15 to 20 minutes i love the feedback that we received from the the rustling episode that we had of a brief healing it was the very first one took place several weeks ago, that response was something I didn't expect. I did it more so because I wanted it to be a cool start to a brief healing, but also because I genuinely love wrestling. And so I wanted to talk about it because I knew there was an audience out there for it. But the response was not what I expected. People really enjoyed it. And my friends who really enjoy wrestling actually hit me up and said, one, it was a surprise to them. And two, they can't wait for the next one. So that was really cool. So the next brief healing is probably coming up, I think, in two weeks. Because I think the next major pay-per-view isn't this Sunday, but the Sunday after that. So what I'm going to do is every time there's a really major uh, wrestling pay-per-view, I'm going to do a brief healing on it so thank you for those of you who gave me such awesome feedback about that um and the numbers on soundcloud were actually keeping up with the regular episodes so that was really cool too (laughs) Uh, and then this week's a brief healing is going to be on kevin hart and all of these issues that are going on with his homophobic tweets and the backlash and the fight against and those who are supporting and all that stuff I wanted to really speak on it on social media, but I decided to hold back and use a brief healing as an opportunity to talk about it, one, so that I can just get all of my thoughts out right, right in that space, but two, because I don't want to go on about it forever, so giving myself just that 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 window of 15 to 20 minutes will be me getting it out, and then after that, I'm done with it. Uh, for a brief minute, I, I was about to change my mind and I was like, you know what? I'm just drained by the, by the idea of it, but I was like, no, get it out. Say what it is you need to say, and then it'll be out there in the universe and you can move on. So make sure you guys check that out later in the week, a brief healing. Yeah. So with that being said, let's get into sad seasonal affective disorder and I'll see you on the other side. Seasonal Affective Disorder is a type of depression that comes and goes with the seasons. It normally starts around late fall and early winter and goes away during spring and summer. However, there are instances of SAD taking place during the summer as well, but those instances are rare. One of the main reasons why I wanted to talk about SAD this week is because I know personally I've experienced SAD for years and even though I look to be out of the woods when it comes to SAD at this moment, I still know many people who are still going through it, some who are very close to me. It's real, very. So I wanted to share some of the symptoms today to give people a better understanding of exactly what it is that they're battling. SAD isn't a separate disorder from depression. It just displays a recurring seasonal pattern. To be diagnosed with SAD, one must meet the full criteria of major depression coinciding with summer and winter months. This has to occur for at least two years. These depressive instances must be more frequent than any non-seasonal depressions. So, let's say you're battling seasonal depression right now, as many often self-diagnose themselves with this. I'm going to name off some of the symptoms that I said before and then I'm going to share what it would look like for winter and summer if you're experiencing sad. So first there's major depressive symptoms. Feeling depressed most of the day, having very little energy, losing interest in things you once enjoyed, having issues with sleeping, feeling sluggish and agitated, changes in appetite and weight, having frequent thoughts of death or suicide. Now, Here are symptoms of sad in the winter, pay close attention, low energy, insomnia, overeating, weight gain, social withdrawal. Now, I can honestly say that time fell back at the beginning of November. From the beginning of November until now, and of course I won't share any names, but I have had friends... ...who have pointed out to me literally... ...everything that has been named off... ...under sad in winter... ...from November until now... ...again, it's real... ...it's very real... ...symptoms of sad in summer... ...poor appetite associated with weight loss... ...agitation... ...restlessness... ...anxiety... ...episodes of violent behavior... ...so again... They state that SAD is very rare in summer, but what does this look like to you? If you can take a minute to kind of roll back in your memory to past summers, does any of these symptoms sound familiar to you? Because even though it's rare, that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen to you. SAD is diagnosed four times more in women than in men. Your distance from the equator also plays a huge part in this. Living in Florida gives you a 1% chance of being diagnosed with SAD. Or you have a 9% chance living in Alaska, which is why I would never want to live in Alaska. (laughs) From what I know about Alaska, especially the long nights. No, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Having a family history of depression can play a huge part in this as well. And that's something that I, I think that that's... That creates a longer conversation, especially with those of us in the black community, because we're, we're just really getting to the point where we're open and free enough to have very real conversations about depression. So in order for you to know the part that it plays in your family, you have to be able to get people who for a long time really wouldn't have conversations about depression and mental health as a whole to open up a little bit more for you to be able to find out what it truly looks like to them, you know, because we can diagnose from a distance, but unless we have those really real conversations, how will we know? Now, this is something that uh, was a surprise to me. Um, younger adults have a higher risk of sad than older adults. I don't know if I would really say a surprise as much as I know a lot of people in their late 20s and early 30s who battle sad, at least self-diagnosed. And but I, I guess the reason why I can't really say that it's a huge surprise is because ah, but that that creates a whole new conversation because I'm sitting here thinking about depression as a teen but that doesn't necessarily equal sad, you know? So I right there feel like that's a whole nother episode separating, a a true separation of the two, you know? Um, (laughs) But one thing that I do know for sure is the next one. Lack of vitamin D plays a major part in someone having sad. Vitamin D insufficiency may be associated with clinical depression symptoms. Now, I know that is very, very true for me. I actually... uh, I take vitamin D pills because I have a serious lack of it. So I'm not necessarily sure how big a part that played in it because I don't know. I'm perfectly fine now, and I, and it's wrong of me to say. I know it's not good, but I haven't been on my pills the way that I should be when it comes to my vitamin D pills. So I can't contribute it to the reason why I'm doing so much better now. You know, it's been uh, a few months now since I've taken my vitamin D pills. I'm not sure why. I'm not existing in that dark space that I have been in for years once the seasons begin to change. The colder it gets, the darker it gets. It really does impact me. But not at all now. And I'm not sure why. I'm honestly not sure why. That may go back to what it said earlier about young adults having a higher risk of it than older adults. I don't know. (laughs) Because the minute I said that, I thought to myself, I know people older than me who, when the seasons change... Their mood changes greatly. So yeah, I I can't even say, you know, that maybe it's as you get older, it begins to fade away. It really is a person-by-person situation. So let's talk about some of the treatments. For treatment of SAD, there's uh, medication, there's psychotherapy, more vitamin D, as I mentioned earlier, and then light therapy. For light therapy, it looks like daily exposure to bright artificial lights every day during the winter months. Now, I know for some people, this could be a task. For some people, they could say to themselves, this isn't really something that I want to have to focus on every single day, making sure that I'm putting myself in the space of artificial light just to keep myself happy because the way that depression shows up for a lot of people is comfort and I've talked about that before on the podcast, you know? A lot of people can't or or don't notice that they're depressed because there's just this comfort feeling, you know? You come home and you just want to relax. You come home and you're binging television, you're eating foods that you know you're saying to yourself, "Okay, this isn't healthy, but I deserve it." You know? Treating myself, eating this, eating that vegging out, you know? And it it feels okay. And I'm speaking from experience, you know? I'm because as I've told before about my my journey here in Atlanta, I hadn't experienced deep depression for many years before I moved here. And I I couldn't even notice what was happening to me. Because it had been so long that in my mind, it was just like, okay, I'm not working right now. You know, that's kind of on my mind. I'm kind of bummed out about that. Coming home, you know, I'll go to the gym, work out, and then go back home again and not do anything. And it didn't hit me for a really long time that I was depressed because depression can look different on you, you know? It's kind of akin to clothing. (laughs) It doesn't fit everybody the exact same way. And I guess for me, it it wasn't really tight. It was kind of loose fitting. I was very comfortable in it, like free and flowing. So it didn't really hit me like, no, this is confining you. It's restricting you and you don't even realize it. It's holding you and you're not able to move. And it just becomes a cycle over and over again. And this can begin to be the way that it looks for sad as well, you know? And then... The, the the spring and summer come, and then people feel like they just have all of this energy again. Like, I'm up, I'm ready to go, let's make it happen, you know? And with this being my first year where I'm really on the other side of it, I feel like I'm looking with fresh eyes. And I personally feel like my job has a lot to do with it. I, I'm constantly on the go with what I'm doing now, working with these young adults, I don't really have a chance to really sit still. And I know for me, the way that SAD would show up in past years is that I had desk jobs, you know? So I would be in these corporate offices and SAD was just, it would just cling on to me. I remember just looking, I, I and I don't know, I can't say... I don't know if it has anything to do with being in Atlanta now, as opposed to when I was up north in New York, and New Jersey, and Baltimore, and the way that the cold felt. The darkness felt different up there than it does down here, you know? So I'm not sure if that plays a part in it as well. It could be where you are in the country. Um, I do know that they were talking about, as far as uh, Florida, and the fact that a lot of people don't really experience sad deeper in Florida than they would if you were somewhere in Boston, you know? So that that's very real, very, very real. So I hope that you all feel more enlightened, that you know more than you did when you came into this episode, and I know in the future we'll continue this conversation. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to be able to walk with us on social media, that would be T H S Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram underscore THS podcast on Twitter. Of course you can go to our official website, which is THSpodcast.com. You can walk with me all over social media at Scorpio. You can find it everywhere. <laughs> and we're also on most major platforms for podcasts. So that's uh soundcloud that's apple podcast that's stitcher we're everywhere (laughs) thank you all so much for joining us please make sure that you check out a brief healing later on this week as we discuss kevin hart and the uh interesting area and space that we exist in with defending homophobia uh i appreciate you all tuning in thank you so much for the love the light the joy that you continue to share with the healing space. We love you dearly, and until next week, namaste.